Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with chains Once every millennium something will come along When you feel it you will know it cause it's coming on strong That thing You, it won't take long, the change will happen soon You will feel something so special growing deep within you That thing, that thing, that thing with James That thing, that thing, that thing with James That's me Hi Welcome to the new episode. I I don't remember what number this is. It's in the 30s. What is this? 39? Something like that. I think in the last episode I made a mistake and I called it like episode 20-something. I meant to say 30-something because we're in the 30s now. Christ, I've been doing this for almost 40 weeks. Man, this year has just flown by. It's October. What? The 5th now? I think there's like some kind of party tomorrow or something I'm supposed to go to. I don't remember. I need to check. I need to check, man. I've been hiding out lately. That's okay. I've been busy. I've been busy reading. And that's kind of what today's episode is about. But before we get into it, let's take care of <gasps> some quick business. If you are... Josh or Wade, thank you both, as always, for supporting this show. And if anyone else would like to help support this show, you may do so via my Patreon account, patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames, patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames. You can donate as little as $1 a month or as much as $15,000 a month. I'm serious. <laughs> They they gave me the option, so I said, fuck it, why not? You know, when opportunity presents itself, uh, take it. So if you got fuck you money or if you're really bad with money management, you can donate $15,000 a month or just a one-time, you know, whatever. I don't fucking care. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. It can help me make this show better and get more stuff to you and get more people on the show for, for guests and stuff like that. Uh, Patreon.com slash that thing with James. You can find, uh, I have a website, jamesjasher.com. On the contact page, there's uh, contact info to my agent. Um, and I also have a blog there at jamesjasher.com slash blog. If you go way, way back before I started the show, you can see some of my, some of my writing. And uh, if you don't, feel like reaching out to my agent, you can reach out to me. I have an email that I created specifically for the show. It's it's uh, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. If you have, uh, you know, 
an idea for a subject for an episode um if you just want to reach out and say hi if you have a question or are in search of advice um that preferably i i would be able to you know answer and address on the show hit me up that thing with james at gmail.com and uh i'm also on instagram and twitter my handle is at james j asher so yeah I think that's all the business. So it's it's still fucking hot. Like I think this time last year, it was like 10 or 15 degrees cooler than it is now. Today it's been about and, and not counting humidity, today's been about like 95 degrees here in Austin. It's unseasonably hot. And this is also the first weekend of the total two weekends for the ACL Fest. And I don't know if you can hear it. You probably can't hear it, but I'm going to be quiet for a second. Can you hear the music in the background? Probably not. But if you can, you know, that's cool. But I can hear it. I've been hearing the music all day because I live in a pretty central area and i hear the music when acl is here coming from i guess whatever park it's at i forget what park it it's at um but yeah i I started hearing it uh this morning around 10 a.m i was probably hearing um some bands rehearsing i bet yeah doing some sound check and stuff like that but all day i i hear the music and it doesn't bother me as a matter of fact, I, I, I don't kind of, I really love it. I love it when a music festival comes to town. And there's often music festivals, but the big ones, I love it. You know, this is not something that I had growing up. And it's something I always wanted to be around, like big concerts, or just concerts in general. And there's a lot of concerts in Austin. So that's, that's great. This is a great place if you're into that sort of thing. If you like going out, uh, getting, getting wild going to see some really fucking good music. Uh, I, I suppose, what kind of shows do I go see? The kind of shows I go to see, I guess, would be considered stuff you would hear like on a college radio station. You know, when you hear like good music, I, I wouldn't say I'm like super vanilla. I, I definitely like uh definitely more kind of experimental stuff you know like neon indian dude that they're from austin neon indian uh, the main dude he's from austin at least whatever his fucking name is but i love that shit uh so yeah those are like the kinds of shows i go to i guess i guess like college radio station bands <laughs> uh and i'm pretty sure i mentioned i was in a music video last year like at the cusp of july on into august i got to be in a music video for broncho this band broncho and they're definitely like alternative like uh college radio i guess kind of a band if you want to consider that i mean that's just like that's what mainstream marketers would label it as i that's just what i call good music you know I'm not talking about fucking Dave Matthews band, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to dig that hole any further. <clears throat> so yeah, ACL's here. I love it. I can feel the energy. 
and it feels good. I, I love when a festival comes to town. It's just so exciting. And so many people are here just to have a great time and just to party and and not cause any trouble. Just have some good fucking fun and l- listen to some good damn music and see some awesome fucking shows. Stage, you know, uh, you know st- awesome stagecraft light show and everything. And I went to ACL fest for the first time and only time so far uh two years ago yeah two years ago i went with um, my buddy moo and uh he told me like a week in advance that gorillas was playing uh, it was the last day it was sunday on the second weekend the final weekend on the final day of acl gorillas was playing now, I have been a fan of Gorillas since they came out, like OG, like around the time, I guess, like Adult Swim started. They probably started, I think Gorillas came out just shy, just before Adult Swim started on Cartoon Network. Um, but he said that there were tickets available and it was like, I don't know, 150 And for the first time in my life, I had the time and the money to actually go to a music festival. I'd never been to one. I've I'd lived here since 2012. At this time, it was 2017. So I guess I'd lived here for five years. Um, well, maybe almost five years because I moved here like the end of 2012. Um, but yeah, we went to ACL and we had uh, some goodies to make it a special day. And uh, we fucking just like spent the whole day there. We went there at like, I guess 11 or something. So we could catch some of the shows beforehand. Um, so gorillas was one of the last shows and they were playing at the same time as the killers, the killers. I was like, Hmm, gorillas or the killers gorillas or the killers, uh, duh, fucking gorillas. Duh. Of course, we were going to go see Gorillas, So we went to see them, but they were the last show of the evening at the same time as the Killers. So we had time to kill because we got there pretty early. And uh, we, you know, we were feeling feeling pretty good. And uh, the first show we saw was Dram. Yeah, I had not heard. Well, I'd heard of Dram. Um, and I, I without knowing it, I heard some of his like I guess his single on the radio or something, but Dram put on a hell of a show and he would like do fucking just like crack jokes between each song. It was like almost like a stand up kind of a thing with fucking amazing music. And it was soulful too. Um, It was a spiritual experience for sure. The Dram show. It was all about love, man. All about love and, you know, treating your women right and making sure they don't know you got other women like <laughs> that was part of the 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 humor of uh dram and then after that was a uh, danny brown uh, uh i had not heard danny brown at all i knew the name and i kept thinking like bobby brown i'm like why the fuck Bobby Brown, didn't he like used to beat like Whitney Houston or something? No, this is a different Mr. Brown. This is Danny Brown uh, from, I believe, Detroit. 
and that show was fucking awesome as well uh run the jewels was after that not really my my speed and then there, there was another band it was not neutral milk hotel but they were kind of of that ilk uh i kind of walked by them i saw this like band from africa and they were they were like you know as good as Jimi hendrix like they fucking rocked these like 40 50 year old african dudes i think they were from nigeria nigerian dudes they fucking rocked they were like psych rock like good classic psych rock but not totally well of course it wouldn't be fucking whited out because they're fucking nigerian so it had soul you know it was fucking awesome and then at the end of the night uh we went over to the uh, gorillas stage and uh and that was fucking awesome um now they did have a big screen up with like a lot of the gorillas animation that kind of took me out of it a little bit not gonna lie that kind of took me out of it on a handful of songs but all in all it was totally like i got way 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 more um worth what am i trying to say here the experience of going to ACL two years ago was worth far, far, far more than the amount of money that I paid for the ticket at the last minute. And surprisingly, I mean, I have no idea how there was even tickets available still. It was uh, it was kismet. It was meant to be. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to take a quick break. And I'll be right back, and I want to get into the subject of this episode, which is Frank Herbert's Dune. I told you last episode at the end that I would fucking do an episode about it, and here it is. I tell you, I'm a man of my word. I, when I say I'm going to do something, I fucking do it. Unless I don't. Be right back. Wink. Let's talk about Dune. It's a book. It is, from what I understand, the, uh, I think it's the best-selling sci-fi novel of all time. Dune, the, the original one. Published in 1965 by a man named Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert uh, was... He died kind of young. I think he was like 60 or something. But I think he started writing Dune when he was about 40 or something like that. But he'd been writing for a lot longer than that. He'd been writing just as a journalist. Uh, he just kind of had various writing odd jobs uh, throughout his young adulthood on into, you know, his 30s and 40s. And um, yeah, it. It, he spent a number of years researching and writing the first book, Dune, which I have right here, a first edition copy of. And uh, yeah, he wrote this book uh, published by Chilton, who originally, before Dune, only published like uh, car repair manuals. So... Um, yeah, the book was published in 1965, and I loved it so much. 
so I blasted through this book in a matter of, I'd say, just under, I'd say 10 days. I blasted through this book in 10 days. And it's not a short book, but I, I, I flew right through it. I got completely absorbed into it. And I finished it last Sunday. And then Monday came around and I was feeling just kind of in a bad mood. I just wasn't feeling good. Um, and it's understandable. It was the end of the month, uh, end of September. And I usually get a little kind of down in the dumps by the end of the month when, you know, bills are due. I guess that's my period as well. My, my, my IMS, irritable menstrual, irritable male syndrome starts around the end of the month, uh, except on October because Halloween, my favorite holiday, uh, is at the end of this month because this is October now. Um, so I decided to go out to a used bookstore and see if they had the second book of the original six uh, of the Dune series, original six books, and they had it. I've got a uh, 1987 print of Dune Messiah. Um, it was very good, but definitely a downer ending. But let's talk about the first Dune. Oh, so how do I do this? How do I approach this without giving away spoilers? The story is set in about mm, 10,000 years in the future. And we're not sure what happened to Earth, but the people of Earth, the humans, and I guess other animals, left Earth and started inhabiting other planets throughout the galaxy. And people started evolving in different ways and getting different uh, capabilities. And a lot of these capabilities are um, kind of mental, psychic capabilities, um, is how these humans evolved over a matter of 10,000 years. And a lot of that um, psychic evolution has to do with this substance called the spice melange i i don't really know what the fuck melange means or is but it's this stuff called the spice the spice and it is a naturally occurring substance that has psychoactive um properties and it's also highly addictive the more spice you take, the more you get addicted to it. And if you stop taking it, the withdrawals will kill you. So it's either, you know, once you're a spice addict, you either keep taking it or you die. So, and there's a thing that happens with the spice and with the spice addict. Over time, your eyes start to get this blue tint over them. Now, there have been a few adaptations of Dune. There was the, I think, 1984 movie directed by David Lynch, which was, uh, I, I watched it this week, and it was a steaming pile of shit. And I'm going to talk about that later. 
I have my reasons. I'm going to break down why I say it wasn't great. I don't just say that. I mean, there's specific reasons I say that. Um, well, in that, and there's also been a few like TV miniseries adaptations of Dune and Children of Dune on the Sci-Fi Channel. And in all of these adaptations, uh, the blue eyes, the people's eyes are glowing. They glow blue. That's not how it is in the book. In the book, your eyes just start getting a blue tint over everything. The pupil, the iris, and whatever the white part is called. The whole surface of the eye starts turning blue. It'll start out kind of light. And then the more and more you take, and the, for a longer period of time, the darker and darker it gets. For people who've been taking a lot of spice for a long time, they... Um, their eyes are almost black because it's just such a dark, dark blue. But the eyes don't glow. They're just blue. Or as Herbert describes them in the book, blue within blue eyes. Um, now, what are the properties of the spice? The spice can almost double the human lifespan. It can... It can heal you. It can just enhance your psychic, uh, uh, mental, intellectual, instinctual, and physical um, capabilities. And it can also, in some people, create prescience. That is, you can have oracular visions and uh, there's only one place where the spice comes from. It comes from a desert planet. The entire planet is just a, a desert called Arrakis, or kind of the uh, colloquial name for Arrakis is Dune, because, of course, there are many sand dunes on Dune, a.k.a. Arrakis. Now... There are these giant, now there's babies that you can carry, but when they grow and the older they get, the more gargantuan they become, giant things called sandworms. And um, they're, they're huge, like they could eat a whole house easily. I mean, they're fucking huge. They could eat like a 747, no fucking problem. Uh, a 43 bomber. That's a big aircraft. I think it's a 43. Whatever they used in World War II. The big fuckers. Um, they can eat big shit because they're gargantuan things. And if you are part of a group called the Fremen, the free, get it? Fremen, free man, Fremen. They live in the desert. They're, they're a tribe of people. Uh, who live in the desert, and there are millions of them, they know how to live in the desert, and they can ride these worms. They figured out, you know, how to ride them. I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Anyway, well, spice is the most valuable commodity in the entire world. Period. 
or not not the entire world it's in the known universe every human humanoid creature uh just all civilization throughout the the cosmos the known universe relies on spice because uh spice helps these things called uh there's there's like different factions there's a feudal system within the humans so okay okay let me back up a bit there's so much it's kind of hard to describe here so a long long time ago before the events of the the first book there used to be thinking machines or what i i would translate i guess as computers i think there were computers or what they called thinking machines, which became outlawed because um, certain societies started using their thinking machines to oppress other societies. And also, I, th I suspect they probably had some issues with the thinking machines themselves. I suspect that they ran into an issue with AI. So thinking machines were banned for thousands and thousands and thousands of years it was part of the what is called the butlerian jihad like butler butlerian jihad these thinking machines were outlawed and also the use of atomics be it atomic weapons atomic um, power systems atomics were outlawed as well because of just the only use they have are to literally just destroy worlds. So thinking machines and atomics have been outlawed. So what takes the place of a computer? What takes the place of a thinking machine? The human mind. Now, how is that possible? Because the human mind, while it is amazing, um, you know, just on its own, unenhanced, can it really keep up with a computer? Not really. Not unless you are bred a certain way and trained from birth and fed a steady diet of spice. The stuff that kind of turns you into a superhuman, gives you kind of superhuman uh, capabilities to varying degrees, depending upon your genetic makeup. So there are these guys called, uh, there's the Spacing Guild. The Spacing Guild controls and owns, like, all space travel, interstellar travel. And there are the Steersmen and the, I guess, the Guildsmen or something. Well, uh, the Guides, I think? The Guides are humans who, like, from birth are just kept in tanks that are fed an orange gas of the spice because the spice is orange in its appearance and it smells kind of like cinnamon and it tastes kind of like cinnamon although the taste and smell kind of changes a little bit every time the user uses it um you you can eat it whatever inhale it whatever um well, the the guild, the spacing guild guides are humanoid, like fish humanoids. They're basically humans who have evolved from hyper constant exposure to spice gas and a, a diet of like spice pills. 
Um, and so their, their limbs kind of like retract and their heads become a bit larger, kind of oblong, and they're kind of like fish people. And they can navigate vast, vast, vast expanses of space. And they can move these things called, uh, oh God, streamliners or something like that. I forget what. They're basically these giant spaceships that carry thousands upon thousands of people to just transport stuff, anything. It's the spacing guild. They, they're just a transportation guild. And um, so they own a lot of strength, a lot of power um, in the known universe. And then there's a corporation called CHOME. CHOME is an acronym, I forget what for, but they basically own stock. They're like the stock market kind of, CHOME. And you can buy, um, you know, ownership, uh, certain uh, stakes of CHOME. And then there's the Landsrad, I think is what it's called, which is basically the uh, the royalty because there is an emperor of the known universe. And then there are other like dukes and barons and stuff like that. It's a feudal, it's a fiefdom throughout the universe, the known universe that is. There's a fiefdom on all the planets. However, the Fremen the desert-dwelling people of Arrakis who live outside the cities, they don't give a fuck about no fucking fiefdom. No, they don't give a fuck about the Empire. They're the f truly free people. They are, like, pretty much the only really known free wild people in the known universe. Well, uh, let's see what else. And then there's also the Bene Gesserit... Bene Gesserit sisterhood which is a uh a sisterhood of women it's of course it's a sisterhood so it's only women and they learn they practice kind of uh how do you describe it they practice okay so men a lot of men are prejudiced against the Bene Gesserit women they call them the witches and the, the Bene Gesserit witches practice this thing called the Weirding Way. And the Weirding Way is basically just, it is like, kind of like Zen. So here's one of the things, is that one of the reasons I really love Dune is that it deals a lot with philosophy and a lot of like science and a lot with ecology, just the study of nature, the study of a planet. Um, and how that coincides with human existence, how that coincides with religion, how that coincides with philosophy, how that coincides with ethics, morals, so on and so forth. It explores a lot of really heady shit, and it's also just a really awesome story as well. Uh, very well told. Um, let's see here. Well, the Bene Gesserit witches, the weirding way is basically kind of like yoga and and zen buddhist enlightenment meditation and also prescience um oh let me go back a second so the gilding 
the gilding, uh, the spacing guild, these fish people things, and they're like fish tanks who just are on a steady diet of spice. Uh, they kind of, I don't think it was explained like this in the book, but in the movie, um, they fold space. So basically, um, when you ingest enough of it, uh, enough of the spice, your, your mind, if you've been trained in these certain techniques, if you've been, you know, brought up and trained to be a sort of like human computer, when you ingest spice, you can run vast, vast, vast computations and have prescient like oracular like, um, prescience, I guess is the, the best word for it. Just by doing computations, just by looking at patterns, seeing likely patterns in events and selecting the most likely pattern. And that basically kind of selects what's going to happen in the future, just because you can study patterns in a way that a, an AI, a computer never could. And, and also you have the human capability of, of instinct and um, the ability to think abstract thoughts. These are the things that kind of make the human mind superior to the thinking machines. And these, these human, I mean, superhuman computations, you know, they're fueled by the spice. So the fish people, they compute the best route to take through the universe to travel across they go faster than light speed because they literally fold the fabric of space-time and they have to come compute whatever fucking parts to fold up so that they don't run into anything and like i guess end up wedged in the middle of some fucking mountain on some other planet in the middle of where they're trying to get to you know what i mean easy easy shit you know kindergarten shit um, well, the Bene Gesserit women, they're also kind of psychic. They've got this, this link and they're just hyper observant. And, and that's another thing. Like there's a lot of the stuff that seems like it could be psychic capabilities, but the way Herbert describes it and the way it's presented in Dune is that it's mystical. It, it, it's this great, um, Synthesis. It's this great uh, combination of science fiction and mysticism. It's almost, almost fantasy. And it's not like Star Wars. However, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, stole so much shit from Dune. Dune came out quite some time before the first Star Wars movie came out. You know, A New Hope. Star Wars stole so much shit from Frank Herbert. So many ideas. And, you know, whatever. Like the sandworms. I forget which Star Wars movie it is, but it's when Leia is still imprisoned by Jabba the Hutt. And uh, Solo, I think, is still in his, like, you know, block of whatever. And they're on some desert planet, and they're on these floating things. And, uh, you know, um, not Chewbacca. Uh, the fat, fat slug dude. I just said his name, what the, whatever they're like throwing people into these giant, uh, gaping maws sticking out of the sand that are eating people. That's kind of a rip off from the sandworms in Dune. Um, 
But yeah, the Bene Gesserit women, they are all about selective breeding because their whole goal that they've been working for, for like thousands of generations, is to create this thing called the Kwisatz Haderach. And that is basically the ultimate weapon. And that is kind of the 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 whole thing like that's what the whole first book is about is about the creation of the first one true well the first true quizats haderach and the um so there's all these different factions the chome the lance rod the spacing guild the the bene Gesserit sisterhood they're always struggling with each other for power it's always political ploy. There's always, um, you know, strategies within strategies, lies within lies within lies, faints within faints within faints. Um, talking swordplay because there's a lot of swordplay um, in in the book. Well, the Bene Gesserit they've been doing selective breeding and just genetic stuff for thousands and thousands of years just to create the ultimate weapon the ultimate prescient being the Kwisatz Haderach and they hope to have power over the Kwisatz Haderach so they can have power over everyone else and kind of just have control however things don't turn out the way they hoped it would and I will continue my struggle to try to explain this shit after this quick break so I, I just took a leak and I was thinking I don't I don't have nearly enough time and I, I don't want to devote several episodes to dune because to give like a really truly good overview of what the stories of like the story itself uh, it would take a lot of time because there's a lot of shit going on in the book a lot of shit going on but it's presented it's written in such a way that it's digestible which is no fucking easy feat and you can tell that frank herbert put a lot a lot of work into his writing um he's been dead for decades now uh, I think he died in 1987, the year I was born. Um, so instead of breaking down the plot, just because there's so much to it, I think I'm just going to kind of give an, I'm going to give an overview of some of the themes that I really like, some of the, the ideas it gave me, and also... Uh, do a you know try to do a brief breakdown of why I think the the movie from 84 was kind of shit uh, so the spice the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like an entheogen an entheogen is kind of uh, entheogen is a fancy word for a psychedelic a psychoactive drug um, and the spice is kind of like that it's it's kind of like 
acid or, or psilocybin. Um, and it, it got me thinking. So uh, first, let, let me say a bit more about Frank Herbert, the man. Um, he got into... He got into like a kind of a groovy scene in, in California, I think, in the 70s. Well, I guess in the 60s, in the early 60s. He got into a groovy scene in California, just like pre-hippie. Um, and he started learning about Zen Buddhism. And I also believe Frank Herbert has had experiences with um, LSD and psilocybin, lots of experience with yoga and meditation. And a lot of this stuff links together because it, it explores, um, you, you know, the psychedelic experience, the, the Buddhist, the meditative experience explores the nature of being, the nature of consciousness. Um, it asks the question, who am I? Who is experiencing this? Where do my thoughts come from? Am, am I James? Who is I? Am I I? Or am I just a singular tendril, a, a singular consciousness that is merely part of a collective consciousness. And that gets kind of into Jungian kind of stuff as well. Um, are we all together, our, our consciousness, are we all together part of a singular consciousness experiencing itself as a myriad of singular consciousnesses, uh, individual relative consciousnesses? I think so. And that's what a lot of like uh, Buddhism about, is about. Like we are all one um, or, or the idea of God is one. We are all one is the idea that we all share this experience of life. We all share consciousness to a certain degree. And when you spend a lot of time meditating, you may get experiences um that kind of lend to that, uh, to the idea of not being trapped, not being stuck within the confines of one's identity. Um, just because I am experiencing a singular relative experience as this identity of James J. Asher II, it doesn't mean that that is all I am. I may also be a part of a broader consciousness that we all share. That's some Buddhist stuff for you. And that's also what a lot of just other um, mystical societies explore. That's like a lot of uh, shamanism, like Native American kind of stuff explores these types of ideas. And a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, throughout time, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the people who explore this, the shamans, uh, they utilize um, plants, they utilize drugs, ayahuasca, uh, peyote, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, these sorts of things. Um, 
to have sorts of visions about the future, to have experiences, loss of identity, but not loss of consciousness. Because what happens when you lose your identity, but you're still conscious? What is up with that? Think, take a second and ask yourself, where is your consciousness? Is it in your head? Is it in your heart? Your gut? Your fingertips? Your toenails? Where is Where do your thoughts come from? Where is your consciousness located? Is it located in you? Is it located outside of you? You can't really pinpoint consciousness. It's ethereal, you know? Um... Dune explores these questions, and these are the kinds of questions that Frank Herbert was asking himself and explored and meditated on through his writing um, in Dune. It's what a lot of the main characters are exploring, and it's a lot of like what the Bene Gesserit witches explore. Um, they're like super fighters, the Bene Gesserit witches, um, because they have you know, they, they train from a very, very young age, their entire lives, they train to have full mastery and control of their mind and body, every muscle, every nerve, they can control it, they can control their heartbeat, they can control their, their respiration. Um, and they can even control other people by pitching their voice in a certain way, kind of like what the Jedi do, the Jedi mind tricks, that was invented first by Frank Herbert with the Bene Gesserit using the voice. However, this is a thing that only women are able to do unless, unless the, unless you're a man who happens to be the Quizats, Quizats Haderach, um, who is the result of years and years, just millennia of you know genetic engineering basically or or, or um, selective breeding uh, more like um quizats haderach is basically um the one male who has the capability of using the weirding way and he's also able to look into a uh, psychic metaphysical space that the the sisters are unable to look at the the sisters have a reverend mother the reverend mother goes through this rite in which she drinks this stuff called the the water of life which is basically the purest unfiltered uh, spice you can get and it will kill anybody unless you are you know unless you have the genes uh, that will allow you to survive the the trial of the reverend mother of drinking the the water of life and when you drink that you, your your mind just blasts open and you lose identity and you kind of um, you, you share consciousness with all the other reverend mothers as far back as the reverend mothers exist. It's not like you just have your own memory. You have your, your parents' memories and your parents' parents' memories, all of those memories downloaded into your mind. Um, so you like you become those people you, you keep your body but as far as like your 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 memory and your thoughts and everything you are linked timelessly with all these other consciousnesses um you know beyond time 
as far back as it goes. And the Kwisatz Haderach will is the only male who's able to undergo that water of life reverend mother trial drinking this stuff um and survive it and, and not die and he the Kwisatz Haderach links up with all of the fathers before him so if you're a woman you you, you get you you connect to all the feminine consciousnesses and if you're the male you connect to all the male consciousnesses but i think you can also connect to some of the female consciousnesses as well oh, god can i can you cut me you know if, if you're listening to this and you're like this is fucking boring cut me some slack i mean you gotta give me a bone this is some fucking difficult shit to break down in you know an hour i don't even know if i'm gonna be able to get to an hour just because I'm getting so fucking lost in my own words here. Um, but okay. Okay. What about the book do I like? I like that it explores stuff and it got me asking like, what if entheogens, what if psychedelics were an accepted and integral part of um, human society? Um, what if we all had these experiences that kind of enhanced um, expanded our awareness, um, expanded the limits of our consciousness, expanded the limits of our identity, dissolved the limits of our identity. Although dissolve doesn't mean it's gone forever. You still hold on to your identity, but it blurs the line. You have the ability to blur the line between your identity and others' identities. Have you ever had an experience, even just stone sober, where you and say a good friend or a relative have the same thought at the same time? You finish each other's sentences where you kind of link up, where it's almost like you can have a conversation without even speaking. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. It's like, what if the mission of humanity was to explore these things, explore these um, human mental capacities that we have, but we barely have even touched because we're quibbling over <sighs> greedy material things, you know, what would become of us? You know, how would we evolve if we put more stock and energy into that kind of, um, thinking. What else? What else? The book also breaks down a lot of like religion. There's this thing called the um, Missionaria Protectiva, and they are part of the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood. And, you know, thousands of years ago, they traveled to all these different planets and went to these sort of um, tribes. Uh, that didn't really have any religions. And the Bene Gesserit Protectiva implanted myths. They created myths within those kind of wild tribes on all these different planets and gave them, just created religion for them so that eventually, 100 years, 1,000 years, 5,000 years in the future, when another sister from the Bene Gesserit sister comes to their planet um, 
they will already have an in with those people because there will be like some myth that some mother from the stars will come to them and will say these certain words and will fulfill their prophecy and they think of it as a fucking religion you know think of like mm, christianity for example we have all these myths, we have these experiences, we have these miracles and stuff. What if those were planted by extraterrestrial beings who just wanted an in on our society? You know, uh, humans from somewhere out in space. What if they came here a long, long time ago um, and found some people, you know, bashing some stones together who had their own language or whatever? And uh, that alien just kind of instills and just invents, contrives myths and religion in this uh, still developing civilization, you know, fledgling civilization over, over time. That myth becomes an integral part of society and eventually someone comes and fulfills it. Like um, Our Lady Fontana, Fanta, whatever the fuck it is. Oh, God. Now I can see the difficulty they had with the fucking movie. So here's why. You know, you know I'm just going to go on to the movie. Um, the movie was... I, I, I see now why I fell asleep before because I hadn't read the book yet. And even having read the book, and then watching the movie, um, I, I like the last 30 minutes, I had to struggle to stay awake. And uh, it's not really comprehensible. It's not really comprehensible. It doesn't really explain any of the stuff going on. Like you wouldn't understand anything that's going on in the movie unless you've read the book. And they try to cover that with the characters giving like worse exposition than like, like dialogue, constant dialogue exposition than like fucking shitty animes, you know, like uh, the amazing adventures of Jojo or whatever pokes fun at this, where the characters say, Oh, you just walked into the building that is owned by my father, who is the son of my grandfather, who was once a great warrior in this town that was once haunted by a witch. <laughs> you know, there's, it's, uh, you know, you're supposed to show, not tell. Well, there was a lot of telling and not a whole lot of showing in the movie. And they just tried to put in so many elements from the book in this two-hour movie and it just didn't work because you unless you've read the book you don't even know what the fuck is going on and they also incorporate some like new elements into it um that kind of like left my head scratching a bit because it's like that wasn't in the book um and it doesn't really do a great job of explaining what the fucking quizats hatterack is it doesn't do a good job of explaining you know what Fremen culture is like and, and you know the fucking ending of the movie is not the ending of the book uh sting isn't it looking fucking svelte um oh and the graphics man were shit <laughs> 
So the characters have body shields. And in, in the movie, they have these fucking like guns that are p- charged by your voice where you go, oh, and it shoots like a fucking like a shockwave or something out of the gun. That wasn't in the fucking book. The book has what call, they call laser guns, which is just laser guns. But no one really uses laser guns because people have these things called body shields, which is basically kind of like a like a translucent kind of um, almost incandescent kind of a bubble that forms around your body. And the, um, the motor for it is on a belt you wear around your waist, of course. And you activate the shield and uh, you fight with swords. Now, if a laser hits one of the body shields, it creates a huge fucking explosion and also creates radiation. It's like an atomic explosion. So people don't really use laser guns. They kind of, laser guns aren't outlawed, but people kind of shy away from them um, because it just causes so much damage. It's like no fucking use. So people mostly rely on swords, knives, daggers, rapiers, poisons, blades, that kind of thing. Well, in the movie, they've got these like voice guns, uh, and there's like no fucking swords, and uh, the body shields just look like like they blocks around the bodies. It's just so shitty looking. Um, so yeah, that's why the movie's not that great. Uh, and I don't feel great about this episode. And uh, that's okay. This is a really fucking hard subject to tackle and break down in one episode. But I'm gonna... I'm gonna call it here. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching and listening. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And uh, share the show with your friends. And send me an email, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. If you've stuck out this episode this far in, I applaud you. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it's been at least somewhat interesting or entertaining. Hopefully uh, you derive some pleasure out of watching me struggle and maybe fail. I don't know if I failed this episode. Um, I wasn't trying to achieve anything really, but uh, here we are. And I will see you next week. I love you. Bye.